the book of Luke chapter 16. Now, from verse 1. Now, he was also saying to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management, for you can no longer be manager. That's um, New American Standard I'm reading. The manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig. I am ashamed to beg. In verse 4 he says, I know what I shall do. So that when I am removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. And he summoned each one of his master's debtors. And he began saying to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write eighty. And, he, and his master, now, this is where the problem is for many of us. And his master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness. So that when it fails, they will receive you into the eternal dwellings. Now, before I read beyond here, can you just look up for a moment? That is the most interesting statement from the mouth of the Lord Jesus that you will ever read. I have a man, a Bible I have called, um, the, the name of the commentator in that Bible is R.W. Bollinger. The man said, this has been misread. He says that Jesus said, was saying actually, that it was a rhetorical question. That Jesus was saying, I am I saying to you. He didn't say, I say to you. That was his own interpretation. That the Lord Jesus said, is this what I am saying? Now, you, you will see why I lean towards that reading. Because if you don't look at it like that, every other thing contradicts this. Because the very next line he says, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. He he cannot be telling people, be unfaithful. And then he said, make money and make friends with the wealth of unrighteousness. So that when he fails, they will receive you into eternal dwellings. No human being has an eternal dwelling. To receive you into. They don't. These are the things you consider when you are reading these scriptures. Now, let's continue reading. Just bear that in mind. I'll get back to it. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous mammon or unrighteous wealth, who will entrust true riches, he says, to you? Now, please notice that. What the Lord was saying is this. There is what is called true riches. And if you are going to have it entrusted to you, first of all, you must show faithfulness in the use of money that does not have any righteousness attached. What he was saying, he was not saying money is unrighteous. He was saying that money does not have the character of righteousness. Money is just money. 
It's not good, it's not bad. Are you, are you getting my point? It doesn't have a character in itself. He was not saying money is wickedness. He was saying these are not matters of righteousness. That is, money in itself is just a physical matter without a spiritual all right, connotation to it. He said, however, if you do not use, that was the emphasis, if you can't use things that are common, things that are not spiritual, if you can't use them properly, nobody will entrust spiritual things to you. That was what he was saying. And verse 12, and if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another person's, that is another's, who will give you that which is your own? You know, when I heard him, verse 13, to explain, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. He said, you cannot serve God and wealth, or you cannot serve God and mammon, or you cannot serve God and money. All right, I'm just using three different words there. Now, let me just quickly um, explain what I'm going to say today, all right, why I read this. We have been looking at total faith, and what we have said is that faith must be what? Total. <laughs> That's what we're talking about, total faith. Faith must be all round, it must be all encompassing, it must be continual. If you read um, from the Amplified Bible in that book of Mark chapter 11 that we have been reading, it says, have faith in God constantly or continually. That is, if our faith is going to be strong, it must be something that we practice all the time. What I've been trying to emphasize to us believers is that you don't take faith to solve a problem and then drop it, which is what we often do. Again, I'm about to go back to one thing that has made me begin to sound like a broken down record. That is why I disagree with Christians that want to give when they want to receive. Because that faith is not total. It's not continual. I say all the time, a Christian must be a continual giver. I hope you are getting my point. You must be a continual giver. The constant, continuous doing of good works is what I describe as a switch of the power of God. It must be continual. That is, I said something last time, I'd just like to repeat it again. Many problems in your life, you will solve them without knowing you solved any problem if your faith is actually continual. I gave an illustration. It's so good for me to repeat it again. You will cure diseases in your life without even knowing you are speaking to a disease. Why? Because Jesus was not even trying to kill a tree. Jesus just passed a comment, basically a comment based on irritation at a tree, and the tree died. But he said it was because his faith was constant. It was because his faith was continual. I said at that time, you may have a headache which otherwise would have been diagnosed six months, one year later, as a brain tumor. But because you walk in faith all the time, you will look at a headache and you are angry that it's not allowing you to be at peace in the morning. Just like Jesus was disappointed that the tree did not have something on it. And you look at that headache and say, come on, stop disturbing me. Do you know who you are dealing with? After all, by the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed. And a brain tumor will disappear. To you, it was just a headache. I hope you are getting my point. That is what happens when faith is total. It produces results even when you are not trying deliberately to energize it so as to do something. Well, I've been looking at that, okay? Now, for the last few weeks, we've been looking at faith, total faith for finances. That is, there is something, I said last time, that Christians make as a mystique. They want to get up and just believe God for money. And believing God for money is not wrong, except that that faith ends up being weak. 
the end, faith ends up being weak. That for us to have faith that is strong, it must be total. It is not just how to get. I said something last time. Christians often are focused only on how to give offerings and give tithes and first fruits so that it will produce something for them. <laughs> now, this joke just came to my mind. I have to share it because it's going to make you laugh. I went to teach for about three days. I taught about four or five sessions. That's where I'm coming from. Finished yesterday night. Yesterday night, they were asking questions. Somebody said, is it right to be speaking to your offerings <laughs> before you give it so that I can open doors for you? So I said, you save, check out. <laughs> if person won't give you money, now I bring out the money, begin to, to be, you go collect. <laughs> I said, you go collect. <laughs> Are you going to collect? <laughs> Somebody could bring out money, whisper, whisper, whisper. <laughs> He said, oh boy, I better go. He said, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm not, I don't need money again. <laughs> it was during our Q&A yesterday. It was so funny that I just remembered it now. That is why I said, let me just share it. It's a joke, actually. But that was how I answered the question. I said, listen, guys, if you want to give, give. That's what, that was what I emphasized. Give. Make giving a habit. Make giving what? Yes. A habit. Don't be thinking of yourself or what you want, where you want to give. Just give. You see a good work going on? Give. Somebody has been a blessing to you. You say, ah, this man, you're blessing me. You walk up as like that. I mean, well, you have two cups of corn in your hand. Break one in two and say, man, I'll go eat. He says he's not hungry. Listen, let me not go there. There are different reasons you give. There are gifts of honor and there are gifts of, to solve a need. When you give gifts of honor, it's not because the fellow is hungry. When you are going back home to go and visit your father at Christmas time, I don't care whether he's a billionaire. You don't go empty-handed. Good children don't behave like that. Anyway, that's just by the way. Okay, oh, that's if I remember the, the joke. Of course, the laughter yesterday was tremendous. It was a big hole. <laughs> okay, yes. So, I'm trying to bring out something. So, we'll be explaining it. So, that we find that for us believers, this faith for finances is very important. I just need to explain it. Now, I'm going up. I'm continuing from the where I stopped last time. Last time I emphasized something that you don't choose, because we're talking about total faith, when you want to believe God. For example, you decide that the country is hard, your office is tough, or they are not paying well enough, the business is not doing as well as you would like it to be, but most importantly, the country is tough, and then you pack your bags and baggages, and you move to an easier country, then you need and say, God bless me in this land. Your faith is weak. It's very weak. Why? Because the faith is not total. If you realize that he was God that had the ability to bless, before you shift an inch, you'll have talked to him first. That's what I'm emphasizing. You don't just get up and move, and then get somewhere and start kneeling down and commanding the blessing of God in the strange land. Because, listen, why didn't you start this at home? Before you got up and left that place, why didn't we discuss? It's not as if I can never tell people to move from one place to the other. After all, God told um, Joseph and Mary to move at a particular point. God, God told Elijah to move somewhere. God called Abraham from somewhere to another place. God calls people. Before, when it comes to location, believers, before you change location, especially for economic reasons, you must, that is when you, you know, you say you, you want to fast and pray. Forget your enemies about praying and fasting. It is to move from one place to the other that needs prayer and fasting more than any other thing. Because the blessings of God, it is not as if God can bless people anywhere, 
But if he sends your blessing to nature, better make sure you are there. He won't reroute them to somewhere else. You have to be in the mountain of God for it to be provided. I hope you are getting one next place. That is, where is the place where God has situated you? There's something Kenneth Higgins says in many of his teachings. He said, the Lord tells him that, listen, my children, a lot of times, read his book, Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. That my children, many of the times, they don't follow my plans. He said, but, listen to this, I bless them as much as I can. That is, God's blessings are limited by many things. There are times he wants to bless somebody tremendously, but he said, I can't hear. This is not where I kept his or her blessing. I am persuaded that geographical location is not haphazard for us believers. It's not haphazard. We don't just move to where things are rosy. We move to where we are appointed to be. Right now, I'm not discussing how to discover that, but let us just bear it in mind that there is a place. It is not every place that is your own. Even though God can bless anybody anywhere, but he has important assignments for each individual, each one of us, at different times. And each those assignments are located in different places. It is easy for you to know where God wants you to be if you have some correct principles in your mind. David said, teach me your precepts so that I will not be ashamed when I discover your commandments. What does that mean? If we walk according to the right principles, we will easily discover the specific thing that God wants us to do at the right time. For example, one of those principles that we understand, that not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south comes exaltation. But God is judge. He brings down one and he lifts up another. Which means you understand that blessings are in God. So you lift up your eyes to him every time. You never lift your eyes up to any country, to any company. You never lift your eyes up to any profession. You lift your eyes up to God each particular point in time. And then he can pour a blessing and abundance upon you. That's the right way to think. When you understand things like that, it's easy for you to know where God wants you to be. You know, many people, just by thinking about the fact that God has a specific place for me to be, they discover the specific place. One of my friends, I talk about him all the time, who's a pastor in the north. You know, for many people, they, they don't, they'll be surprised to know that he's a dual citizen like um, a lot of Nigerians. Get to his house, he'll show you his British passport and his Nigerian passport and all his children. You will know that it is not green pastor that's pushing him. All his children. And I like to test things like that so that you know that human beings actually believe God. That's how you know someone who really believes God. When he says that God said I should go here, he means it. Because if he was looking for where life would be easier, he doesn't need, he doesn't, now you must understand, for having a British passport, you don't need a visa to go to America. Many people don't know that. So when a man and all his children have that, and yet they sit somewhere, you should know that they believe God. One man told him his story. When he was in school, he said that he was making plans to relocate because his sisters were abroad and they wanted him to come and join them. So they were trying to help him arrange his papers and everything, get his passport out. He didn't have it then, and then he will come. So he told one brother, he was, a, he was a student in the university. He said, oh, very soon I'll be leaving you guys, and I'll be going over to the UK. He said, why? He just told him this summary. My, I'll soon get my papers, and then I'm leaving. And the brother said, oh, that's very nice. So that's very good. He said, as long as it is the will of God for you. He said to me, as soon as the words dropped from his mouth, I knew it was not. 
How did I know? I don't know. He said, the moment those words dropped from that brother's mouth, I knew it wasn't. How did he know? It's a different matter. That's why I said that many times, the very time you think about it, that may be the time you just know that this is what It happened to me personally. When I, first, um, when I went to Lagos after my NYC, I made up my mind. I was leaving Lagos. I was moving somewhere towards the middle belt. And I told people in my office, I'm resigning from where I'm working. I'm getting another job. And I'm moving up towards the north. And I had made up my mind. Then one day I went to church, Winner's Chapel. And I, had, I, I bought a tape earlier that had a problem. So I went to return it to them so that it could change it for me. So let's make a long story short. The tape was swapped for one titled Rima, the living word of God. And in that message, because that day I got home, it was late, it was hot. Normally I just have a bath so I could cool myself down properly, then lie down to sleep. And as, is, as I often do, you know, the process of lying down, waiting for sleep to come, I try to use something like a message, let the message play, and then I, I fall asleep somewhere. So I put in this tape I just brought from church, and the man of God began to preach. And he emphasized that you don't just get up from one place and go to another, just because you feel like. That you must understand, you know, he was just explaining that it's important for you to understand that God has a specific will, and you must discover that when you are moving from one place to the other. He preached for like 10 minutes. You know, I was waiting to fall asleep. I sat up so that I wouldn't fall asleep. I sat up, said, this one, you mustn't fall asleep. The table was like 45 minutes. By the time he finished teaching, we began to pray. All right, of course, he led the people in the, in the uh, of course, during the message, I, I was at home now, I began to pray. Look, that day, I knew all my plans. Don't ask me how I knew. I just knew all my plans were my plans. They were not the plans of God at all. Just for thinking about it, I knew. Like I said, right now, we're not discussing that in details. But let me just emphasize. You don't just get up and go because economy is better somewhere. It's not allowed. Change of geographical location for believers is a serious matter. That is when you pray and fast. I know our kind of fasting. This is not about, God, when my stomach begin, begins to pain, I will know you are listening. No. It just means I will set aside many things. I will tell my friends, I will take leave from work. I will tell my friends I will not be working for the next few days. Please, I'm taking time out to go and seek the face of God. And listen, it's just a simple prayer. Lord, this is the situation. I am thinking of doing this. Is it right or what else should I do? Let me explain something. You will find out if you pray that prayer sincerely. I was listening to David Post during the week. He said he asked the Lord, if he let me know, he said he had two things in mind and all his um, ancestors up to John Wesley, all right, is a descendant of John Wesley, that there have been two things, farmers or preachers or both. And he said to the Lord, if you will let me know which one I'm supposed to be, by 12 o'clock, I can assure you, I don't know why I chose 12, I, will, I assure you that I will obey you totally. He was a young boy, maybe around 19 or so. His father had arranged for him to get a large farm, all right, by the time he turns 20. Let's make a long story short. Shortly after I prayed that prayer, he was going, and he saw a young man and said, David, one of his friends, said, David, I don't see you ending up as a farmer. I see you ending up behind the pulpit. He did not know the prayer he prayed, though. He didn't know that. 
So he said to the Lord, that's not clear enough. And he was walking on the road and he saw an old minister. He had not seen him in a long time. Ah, good afternoon, sir. The man said, David, why are you not yet in the ministry? The man didn't say, how are you? He didn't say, what has been happening to you? A man you haven't seen like two years or more. He just says, what are you still doing? Why are you not yet in the ministry? He said to him, so the Lord, Lord, I think it's clear enough now. And that was around 11.30 in the afternoon, in the morning. So he knew that God had answered. He answers different ways. I told him my story again and again. My coming to Enugu was so divinely arranged. And I don't mean just, I just found myself here. My friends came and said, Panky, come to Enugu. The university there would need your services. I had only been to Enugu once in my life before that time. And that was in 1988-89 as a medical student. We came from for a Christian medical students conference in UNEC here. And then uh, I said, wow. About two people asked, gave me that suggestion in a few days. In fact, up to three people in a few days. So I began to think seriously about it. Uh, my friend Chuk said, Bank it. think seriously about it. You will like it. And he was here then. And then I saw one brother who I had not seen in a long time. After we exchanged pleasantries, you know, just dried, you know that kind of thing. There was nothing to talk about. He just began to say, say, Enugu is such a nice place. Enugu is beautiful. I looked at him, looked behind like, is somebody possessing this fellow? <laughs> he didn't know I was considering it. That was what confirmed to me that I had to come to Enugu. Before that time, my professor, one of my senior um, um, colleagues, he had offered me a job in University of Ife Teaching Hospital, that's OUTHC. And he said, your office is waiting. All you need to do is say yes. So when I packed my things and left Lagos and crossed the Niger and came to Enugu, it wasn't because, I mean, the reason was clear. It was the will of God. So, listen, when they said, I'm Robert, that time when first came, I'm Robert, I said, aha, whoever sent you people here is inferior to who sent me here. I will not live for you. I will pray until all of you die and disappear. Those who want to repent, repent. Those who don't want to repent, you're dead. What am I trying to emphasize? I'm talking about total faith. It's not as if you take certain principles and go anywhere and use them. You ask God, this place I'm going, is it where I'm supposed to be? Asking the question alone shows that you are ready for the answer. How will God answer? I don't know. There was a time he looked at Paul. Paul, Paul wanted to preach and he was in a dream that he saw a man saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And Paul said, that must be the place where God wants us to go. There are different manifestations. Elijah heard it clearly. I don't know how he used to hear God, but I perceive he used to hear the audible voice of God. And God said, go over to, first he told him to go to the brook, all right, of cherries. And after that he told him, go to Zarephath, thank you. <laughs> he said, go to Zarephath, which is in Sidon. Now, that was where God kept his provision. God could, don't forget, you know, sometimes we say, why did he leave? I've heard people say it before. Um, he left the brook because the brook was dry. Elijah didn't leave the brook before because the brook was dry. Elijah left the brook when the brook dried because God said go somewhere else. Don't forget, he was being fed by ravens. It was a supernatural way of feeding people. God could have caused the brook never to dry. So if the brook dried, it was crucial to God that it dried. The brook dried because God wanted it to dry. There was a time that people were hungry in a dry place. God brought water out of a rock. So why did the brook dry? God said, enough of here. Go somewhere else. 
And why did God send him there? It was so that he might preserve the life of that widow. We're not talking about that now. His blessing left that place and was waiting for him in Zarephath. He had to go there to meet it. We're talking about total faith for finances. That's why I brought up that issue. For us believers, we don't just change locations anyhow. Even if you are offered a job, you take that job to the Lord in prayer, especially when it involves change of geography, geographical location. Say, Lord, this is what I was doing here. Listen, let me just say something to you. A better appointment, that's financially now, a better job is not always the plan of God. People think that the only thing they need to make a decision is to show the pay packet. If the devil wants to tempt you, he has to make it sweet. I hope I'm clear. If the devil wants to tempt, it has to be sweet. That's why it's called a temptation. Temptations are called temptations because they are tempting. If they are not tempting, they are not temptations. You can't take, take me from where I'm earning a fast salary and you are the devil. You want me to go to another place, you offer me a lower pay. You are not ready to tempt. You don't know your job. You don't know your tempting job. No, you don't, your, you don't know your tempting job. You don't know your tempting. They should sack you from devilship. Find somebody <laughs> else to be the devil. <laughs> Why am I saying that? For us to understand, all right, that it looks better does not always mean it is the will of God. When Balaam was following Balak, it was because the pay was better. They gave him a pay package. Come. He said, this one is good though. It's tempting, but I don't think the Lord wants me to come. Then the man said, give me a better pay package. They added more money. Balaam said, let me go and pray. <laughs> once you go and pray, once, listen, once you are thinking God will change his mind before, because you have better money coming, because it's, it was stupid. Because why, why would God change his mind? Because the money has improved. So that's why God said to him, go. You want to go? Go. Even though the Lord did not want him to go, he said go. It is better, physically speaking, is not always a sign of the fact that it is the plan of God. Let's bear that in mind. I'm talking about total faith for finances. What I said last time, which is what I'm amplifying, is that the man gets on and says, God bless me in this language. I say, wait, if you were depending on me for blessing, you will ask me questions before you come here. That faith is not total. If only suddenly rises up when I've gotten to the place where I want. Beware of sweet places. I like this scripture. I read it a lot of times. The book of Genesis, chapter 49. In verse 14 it says, Issachar is a strong donkey lying down between the sheepfolds. When he saw that the resting place was good and that the land was pleasant, he bowed his shoulders to bear burdens and became a slave at forced labor. What took Issachar into servitude? What made him a slave at forced labor? It was simply because he looked at a land and he said, this land is good. That was the attraction that led him into slavery. When Abraham said to Lot, choose, Lot chose after the sin of his eyes. The Bible says that he looked towards the plains of Sodom. 
that they were well watered like the garden of the Lord. That was before God rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And they moved towards that place. He prospered for a long time. He did. If we're around on Saturdays, I've been explaining something. Many times to disobey God, you start prospering. Remember our story, the story of Asa. When Asa used the wrong method in solving his problem, he began to prosper. Everything looked nice. It worked, except that Hanani said to him, you have used this particular method to, to solve your problem. Why have you replied on the king of Aram? Why did you not rely on the Lord your God? He said, for that reason, the armies of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. He said, the Ethiopian and the Lubin, were they not a great army? When you relied on the Lord that time, they did not help you and delivered you out of their hands? He said, because his eyes run to and fro. The emphasis here is, is the fact that he prospered when he relied on the arm of flesh. Lot also prospered for a while. So the fact that something begins to yield fruit materially is not confirmation that is the will of God. When Lot finally left, with all the now, in case you don't know, what delivered him was the intercession of Abraham. When he finally left, he left with what? Nothing. He left with nothing. His story was like that of, um, well, a bit like that of um, Naomi. He said, I came here full. I left here full. I'm returning empty. For us believers, listen, moving from one place to the other is not what we are saying. God allows that. But God says, oh boy, oh girl, take time out. I need five days. Let's talk. And when God is helping people, when, when, when we are discovering the will of God, let me explain something. It's not as if God speak. When will you speak? No, he can't speak. He may not say anything. But in those days, you know what he's doing? He's changing your mind. He's teaching you things. He's telling you, listen, if you're looking for safety, safety is of the Lord. You get to understand the first, first day. If you're looking for prosperity, it doesn't come from the east or the west or from the south. God is judge. He can lift you up anywhere. If he keeps on giving you confidence at the end of the day, when all the secret things, David says, search me, O Lord, and check my anxious thoughts. When all the anxious thoughts have been removed from your heart, suddenly you see clearly. You know the reason why you are doing what you are doing. That is what the Lord does. We are soldiers in this army. We are on posting. We don't post ourselves. We discover. You know what, the soldier, uh, what in the military they call signal? Signal must come from HQ before we change anything. We are people on posting. Difficulty alone is not allowed to make us change our minds. Oh, it's not allowed. Difficulty alone is not allowed. It's not enough excuse. Why? Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, endure hardship as a true soldier of Christ. That's what you're supposed to do. I'm talking about total faith for finances, all right? It's not just faith. It's not just how I get things. It is that I recognize these principles in every part of my life. That is how faith is built. That is when I will be able to talk to money and to answer me. You know, I've been saying all the time, it's not, faith is not about learning principles. That is like, how do you talk? When you want to talk, do you face the east or you face the west? Faith is a substance that's inside the heart. When it is there, you will just utter simply, say, don't worry, we will have enough money. I don't know what I hear what I said. It will just be a, a simple utterance. Don't worry about it. There will be enough money. 
And if the faith is there, the words will go forth and command resources to come. That faith, however, that faith will not be there except it is total. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. You don't want me, that's the problem a lot of people have. They hear a testimony. Then the man said, then I just said, God, this money will come. Do you know by next day, we're supposed to have my 1.5 million. By the following day, we have 1.7. Two days later, we have 3.2. Do you know, Brenda, by the time everything was over, we had a change of at least 800,000 naira. I remember that the all I just said that, God, the money will come. And I said, okay, you know what I'm going to do? When he said it, he shook his left hand like this. So, brethren, bring out your left hand. And begin. Those are just the outward manifestations of the confidence with which a man, a woman was speaking. It's not the method by which you declare for money to come. Faith being in the heart is energized, is generated, is accumulated, is seeded, let me use the expression, by this totality of faith we are talking about, in which the man knows, the woman understands that, listen, my life is not by accident. Even the very place, the very town, city, village, where I will situate my business, I pray about it first. It's not just about where is power constant. Because God can make power constant because of me. He said, I will pour water upon the seed that you sowed. That's what he said. We were just here yesterday night, just talking about a country. We were just eating three of us. And we're talking about Nigeria, you know, the country. So people talk sometimes. They say, look at America, things good. Look at you. I say, listen, all of those places, or every good thing in life is fought for. People fight for them. The fight is first a spiritual fight. Then you see physical manifestations of the fight. We're talking about many people that people like to criticize and laugh at. We say, they say, what are they looking for? Don't they have enough money? Why is Dangote building a refinery so he can become a richer man? I'm not talking about that now. Why is, I said, listen, if men like Bishop Uyedepo did not build universities, you don't want to imagine the amount of pressure that will be on the federal universities in the country. The other day I was seen at Fair University. They said they had 6,000 students. I said, this man throws out 6,000 students to come and compete in the other schools. Let's not think about it. What am I trying to say? Men are fighting. That's where I'm going. People fight for places to develop. But we'll now sit down aloof and say, look at how this place developed. And this place is not developed. I am going to this place. As if it developed like New Jerusalem from heaven. You know New Jerusalem? <laughs> that just alighted from heaven. No. Men, women, they fought. And the fight is first spiritual. What am I just saying? That it is easy. It's not always the place God posts you to. That's what I'm emphasizing. Sometimes God says, go ahead, you, go and fight. First is spiritual fight. You're there, you are fighting. In the name of Jesus, I will not agree. Uh-uh, this is my place. God has placed me here. It will work. Things will work. Uh-uh. This word of faith which we preach is not for us to eat extra food. It's not. The faith is given for things that are bigger than our personal needs. I hope you are getting the point I'm making here. This faith is given for things that are bigger than our own personal needs. Like on Tuesday, for those of you around for school of prayer, last Tuesday, 
I said, let's take a country like ours. Don't join the camp of Satan. What, who, let me tell you, the people in the camp of Satan, in case you don't know. All those who sit down and say, what is the president looking for traveling all over the world? They are in the camp of Satan. It's a satanic camp. Those who think it is God that gave them the assignment to analyze and criticize every government, every policy of the government, they are in the camp of Satan. Go and read Regina. Regina said many Christians are working for the enemy. Go and buy the final quest and read it. He said, are we supposed not to criticize government policy? Yes, you are not supposed to do that. After all, who are you anyway? Who's listening to you? I don't know whether you're getting my point. You're just massaging your ignorant conscience. What am I supposed to do? It is simple. I said it's a fight. Remember what I said? It's what? Fight. fight. We are fighting. It's war. Life is warfare. So I'm saying, after nine months in power, we have not yet seen change in fuel supply. God said, if you notice that, you should go and pray extra. Your prayer is not working yet. That is enough. Because Buhari, Oshibajo, whatever be their names, or Kachiko, is that his name? Kachiku. They are not the hope of salvation. Oh, do you understand my point? Buhari is not the hope of salvation. They are all instruments of God. So if they are not doing their work well, we pray more for them. We say upon their heads, Holy Ghost! Ah, answer me properly. Holy Ghost! Fire. Thank you. Our own Holy Ghost fire is for energy. Holy Ghost fire doesn't kill people. It purifies them. It makes them strong. It makes them able. So if you get, you get to the feeding station, uh, 150 naira a liter, instead of the official 8650. Say, Father God, it is not right. In the name of Jesus, scarcity, I speak to you. That's fight. Not settling down and say, can you imagine? In America, there's no, there's no, <laughs> there's no first scarcity. That is satanic camp talk. That is how they talk in the camp of Satan. And the more they talk like that, the more they wear out the ability to succeed for the government. It's war. It's war. Life is war. That's what we are talking about. I'm talking about total faith. So with this total faith, we understand, listen, that it's not just to pick and choose the easy part of life. Where things are hard, and if we feel impressed upon that, that's where we are supposed to be, God just says, that is where you are supposed to fight, not just be. You are supposed to do what? Fight. That's what I'm talking about. Total faith. Well, let's now go back to that book of Luke chapter 16. Which is where, where I, you know, I said, I was saying some things earlier. I'm picking up from there. I'm still talking about this um, total faith for finances, of course. And why did I read this? And why are we talking about total faith for finances so extensively? Because we read from this book of Luke chapter 16 that Jesus said, if you have not been faithful in the use of common money, let me use that expression, no one will give you true riches. That is what the Lord was saying, that the expression of our ability to handle true riches is in how we relate with the matter of money. It's an expression. That is one of the, it's a major way by which we express our ability to handle true riches. I said something last time, that true riches, let me quickly drop that. True riches 
is a spiritual substance. I said that when we are talking about faith being laid, um, riches being laid up in heaven, God does not open a naira account for you in heaven. He does not open a forex account for anybody in heaven. The account that we have in heaven is the account of faith. Faith is the treasure that we have in heaven. I explained that material things are dangerous in that they have this inherent ability in themselves to kill faith. When a man has a lot of material things, for him not to trust in it becomes the primary war of his life. It becomes the primary war of his life. Now, Jesus said, for you to have the true riches committed to you, for you, to, because you see, spiritual authority, that's what we're talking about. It's true. Now, listen, think about it. Think about it. If Jesus spoke against everybody that annoyed him just like that, you know how many Israelites will drop dead on the road? Say so you, nobody will greet you again. And the man will die. Say so you, nobody will feed you again. And then the man will die. At the point in time, his disciples, when they gave them small power, they said, Lord, are we to call fire from heaven? <laughs> you know, he said to them, you don't know the kind of spirit that you have. Jesus was saying, if I commit this fire calling ability to these people, everybody in Israel is dead. Are you getting my point? Yes. So there is an ability that we must have to handle true riches. And that's what Jesus called true. It's a spiritual substance. And he said, this is to be found in how we handle money. And that is why I'm talking about total faith for finances again. Christians, faith for finances is not faith to get money alone. It's faith to handle money. Someone was quoting, was it Leah Yakoka or Warren Buffett, one of these rich Americans? 